Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Jet Centric number 94. I'm Kishore, but this week's episode is a two-parter featuring Chris, Daniel, and Liss in part one, and Liss, Adam, and Dylan, and Brady, newcomers to the podcast in part two. They'll be covering all the Patrick Line rumors that are floating about, uh, and then in part two, do a draft recap. Uh, we're releasing this on the first day of Free Agent Frenzy. It's a few months later than usual. Uh, so far today, the team has reacquired Paul Stastny from the Golden Knights for a fourth-round pick and Carl Dahlstrom. Uh, I'm excited to see Stastny back, but I have to admit, Stastny, two years older, I wonder if he can still recreate the magic uh, with Line and Ehlers that he had uh, back in 2018. I hope so. Uh, uh, and it also probably means we're not going to see a big free agent defenseman signing for the for the Jets because they just won't have the cap room to do so. Uh, they also signed Nathan Boyu to a two-year contract. I'm a huge fan of Boyu on the bottom pair. Uh, and even if he doesn't get in a lineup with Hanela and Sandberg waiting in the wings, I think him as a seventh defenseman uh, is great. And that second year really offers a lot of flexibility for exposing him in the Seattle expansion draft. Uh, all in all, when you combine that with the extension for DeMello, uh, I got to say I'm pretty happy with what's happened so far. Oh, and Bressois being um, uh, re-signed for a year too. Uh, I'm pretty happy so far. It's still early. There's probably a lot to come. We'll probably have an episode recapping all the free agent moves the Jets make. But for now, let's talk Patrick Line and the draft recap. Hey, welcome to Jet Centric. Little quick, uh, maybe partial episode here. We're going to talk about Patrick Liney. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the last couple of weeks about his future, including a new article that came out today from Finland. So, me, Chris, Daniel, and Liz are here to have a quick conversation about <laughs> why, <laughs> how come, what's going on, and uh, what we think is going to happen. So, we'll start with you, Liz. You were excited to do this. Um, <laughs> what, how, how have, I guess the first question is, how have we gotten here and uh, what, what's going on? In your opinion, I mean, we all know what's going on and I'll speak quickly and say where there's smoke, there's fire. So how have we gotten here and what's, what's the deal? Well, you know what? You say I was excited to do this. I'm dreading the fact that we even have something to talk about here. But... Um, I don't know. I think the way that this has kind of come about is the fact that he's here in a small market and he's not being played to his full potential and he could go somewhere big, make big money, be in a big market, play with big guys. And there's a possibility for that to happen because his future here isn't secure. So I think that's kind of where it starts. And again, um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation with him and guys like him over the years. And I think it's kind of just getting... Hopefully, maybe a little blown out of proportion. The local media hasn't said too much about it, but people are really starting to think that there's something happening here and Chevy's going to make a move. So, I don't know. And so this time last year, I think it was, where where some of the fans in Winnipeg turned on Larnay a little bit for him expressing these simple facts. I'm a, I'm a good player, and I deserve to play with the best player on our team because I can help us win. And so we've got a 21-year-old kid saying, I believe that I can help this team win, and that's all I care about is winning. So, Daniel, that's where we were this time last year. 
has that carried over? Are those similar things that we're um, dealing with right now? I know that all the speculation is about Shifley, um, but is did it start this time last year? Did it, does it go back further? Is that what we're dealing with? Well, at, at least at least to this time last year, this would have been the start of the previous season because obviously, like line A, I like most of us have ever said he should be playing with Shifley. Like that's to me, that's just I don't even know what to say. Like it shouldn't even be a debate, really. They hardly. I don't. I don't have anything that says how often he's played with Shifley because he has a little bit here and there over the last two years, especially. But I mean, I guess like this could even go back a little bit further than the start of last season. This could go back maybe to midway through the season prior to that. You know, he's wants to play on top line minutes. He wants to play on. You know, the, obviously he plays on the first power play unit pretty consistently, even though he was taken off that at various points throughout the last since he started basically i mean the the guy has 138 goals in 300 games like why doesn't he why aren't they playing him with his with the top the top player on the team the best player on their team mark shifley right like he should be playing with the best center so maybe he could score more goals because goals help you win games and if he wants to win shouldn't he be playing be put in the best position to help the team win right that's kind of it and I mean Line hasn't really said that he wants out but probably deep down somewhere he wants to be used to his full potential and that's and that's his right he's obviously not being used to his full potential and who knows if it's Shifley wanted to play beside Wheeler or in the in between Wheeler and and Guy and whoever else Ehlers whatever or is it like like who's controlling who's co- who's actually coaching here you know like we always say that like is it you know, does Wheeler drop? Does Wheeler want to play with Shifley? He won't play with anyone with Shifley. We don't really know that. But I do think this might stem from even further back than the start of last year. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about that we're at this point. I think I read somebody said that we um, Line spent 70% of his time this year with Shifley. Um. I think that sounds high, but I'm not going to argue it because that person likely did the math or the research. So, list is it the Shifley thing? Is it the Shifley and Wheeler thing? Is it the not having a proper second-line center thing? Because I believe at the end of this article, there's a reference to the coaching being, it, being an issue for Line A. Um, so, like Daniel's saying, we can't necessarily tell who's at the problem if it's Maurice or if it's Wheeler or who it's making the lines, but what's the, what's the problem as far as specifically, do you think, like I said, is it, is it the two line mates? Is it Shifley and him don't mold? Is it constantly changing the second line center? Is it the second line mates? Who, what, what, where do you think the problem actually lies? Well, you know what? I think what he's 22 years old, right? So I guess that was actually maybe a bit of an actual question. I think he's 22. He's 22, um, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, you know, when you're 19 years old, you come into the league, you're not necessarily going to be thrown on the first line right away, even if you're good. Whatever, it's fine. But th- this year, like, again, he made the comments, whatever. And if you're him, you probably think you deserve to be on the first line because, in, yeah, you do. And the year starts, and you're playing again with Brian Little on the second line while Wheeler is up top on the first, and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, whatever. Little gets hurt, and you're playing with Cop, and that goes on. And then at the deadline, Chevy makes a trade to get a second-line center 
and you know you're still not happy you're playing on the second line but then you get Cody Eakin and that's basically what the team throws in your face and you're like here you're playing with Cody Eakin like I think at a certain point you just get fed up with how there's no like I would be I would be frustrated too when you're seeing Wheeler not performing his best but still getting to play on that top line with Shifley maybe there's an issue with Wyatt and Shifley that we don't know about and that's why they don't play well together or play together at all but I don't know to me it just seems like a pattern of things just not going his way and him deservedly getting a little bit upset about it and correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't uh Nikolai Ehlers, Patrick Laine, and Paul Stastny, the best line in the NHL for um, five and a half weeks, you know? Um, they were definitely up there, yeah. You know, so you can see what happens when he is playing with a gifted second-line center. Um, I, I struggle to, to know where it comes from. Um, I think anybody that's ever listened to one episode of this podcast with me on it knows where <laughs> I think it comes from, and that's behind the bench. Um, there's something there. There's a malfunction in who's getting lined up with who. That's always been there. We've talked about last episode about minutes and distributing minutes better. We talked, we've always talked about the line combinations not making sense where you have similar players on similar lines. How different does line and Shifley look if it's with Connor? or if it's with Andrew Kopp, or if it's with Matthew Perot, than it is if it's Line A, Shifley, and Wheeler. Everything, in my opinion, that has made them struggle at forward is because Shifley and Wheeler are stuck together. They would have much more depth if they dropped Wheeler. Um, They could play more even lines if they dropped Wheeler. And you wouldn't be tired by the end of the year because you're playing that top line 26, 27 minutes a game or whatever they play, 23, 24 minutes, when most top lines on most teams don't play that much. Um, So I have a lot of trouble, of course, with the coaching. Um, And I always do. And like we talked about, it's not even a Paul Maurice hate fest. It's a let's not try anything different hate fest. I don't care who's coaching. Just try something different because whatever you're doing, it's not working. You barely made you didn't make the playoffs. Again, that's not acceptable with the roster we have. Um, so I don't blame Patrick Line if he does want to leave, and I especially don't blame him if it's because of the coach or because of who he's playing with. I think that that's fair. If you're not being in any job, if you're not being used to your full potential, what's the point of having that job? Um, Daniel, well, if I'd like to throw into there. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. People are chatting about it's like, oh, he wants to leave, he wants to leave. I've never heard it come out of his two lips that he wants to do that. But if he doesn't want to leave, and if this is all speculation, then why, in what world, are you wanting to trade him? That's what I don't understand. If if it's not him that's starting this, why would you want to get rid of him? Fair question. And I think I said it twice on Twitter this week, and it got traction both times. Essentially, if what you're saying is true, and I believe you, that he hasn't asked for a trade, What you're doing, if you do trade him, is you're choosing your coach over a generational goal scorer. And not even as he's going to sit and pout and sit on the sidelines, you're choosing the coach that's just refusing to play him probably where he belongs. I don't think that that's acceptable. I, I, I know that, you know, the players can't have the full run of things, but, um, historically Patrick Laine is a better NHL player than Paul Maurice is an NHL coach already. So he gets yeah. my vote. 
How do you feel about that, Daniel? Do this, does the co- is it the coach's way or the highway, or do you make some exceptions based on players? Well, if like I, I actually, I'm actually just thinking back. I remember, or I remember reading maybe in the last couple of weeks, even something that maybe might have even resurfaced, you know, with all this line A stuff that the Jets wouldn't commit to playing him with Shifley, as I believe was the, the wording in that they wouldn't commit to playing him with right. Shifley. So obviously that's the coach makes the final, like he is in charge of the lines, right? Like it's like, sure, the players might have input and some obviously have more uh, influence than others, especially on the Jets. Um, but all that, like, so there is some, obviously there might be some, already like he's disliking it like like uh Liz said that he's just not just constantly being torn on the second line and I will say that you know Shifley and Wheeler when they were at their top you know lining on the second line might not have been that bad like you mentioned with Stasny uh Stasny and Ehlers they were great and that's that was the deepest team we've ever seen right the year they made it to the the conference finals against Vegas but you have to play like now that Wheeler's has shown signs of declining and has declined over the last, we'll say, year and a half, two years, whatever. You know, maybe it is time to move him down, move Wheeler down, move the younger, the guy that's, what, 10 years younger than Wheeler? Wheeler's definitely over 30, right? So yeah. move move Wheeler down, move Line a up, you know, give him some top minutes, let him play 20, whatever, 21 minutes a game or whatever, whatever the average top line minutes in the league is. Right now, 19, 21 minutes a game. That you know what? Every time he has the puck in the offensive zone, I'm like I'm almost on the edge of the seat. You know when I'm watching, like because I know he can score, he can shoot the puck, he can score from anywhere. So why aren't you willing to commit to that? So at the end, yes, it is. It is the coach. Regardless of what the players say, the coach has to have you know like some control and say you know what this is how it's going to be. We're going to try this. We're going to commit to this just make it work kind of thing, right? It's like at some point, something has to be said to that regard, I think. And, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't work, but. <laughs> but that's the question. So then, Liz, does your, does your general manager, who we've all agreed doesn't have the power that most general managers do, does your general manager have the power or should he have the power to say, you know what, you're not doing what's best for this team in our estimation. You need to go because we're not trading this guy. Or just the, is which ones, I guess what I'm saying is which one's happening in Winnipeg is the coach getting all the decisions and no consequence, or are they going to say, no, 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 you need to give him a chance. Um, at, at Iceplex, they have a depth chart, right? Of their right wingers or left wingers and their centers all the way down to guys on the moose. Like, is just Patrick Liney cemented in number two for everybody in this organization so nobody's got a problem with it? I'm just, I don't know. Well, you know what? I don't, like, I don't follow, like, there are 31 teams in the league. I'm not always paying attention to everything that's going on. But when the best you've done in the past six years with one coach is make it to the conference finals on a bit of what we call a bit of a fluke of a year. We did have a deep team, but he's been doing the same thing for six years. Even guys who switch things up don't usually last six are winning so I don't see what the advantage is to keeping someone who isn't switching things when you're not even winning with him like if we were winning then no one would care but we're not so it doesn't make sense to me again yeah that's yeah preaching to the choir right and uh, it's it's so 
frustrating because we spent the last episode talking about why would we even talk about this stuff because we know it's not going to happen and this is the same sort of thing it and then but to take this one further it's inexcusable in my opinion to have a guy that scores the way line a does not being used to his full potential um you're using guys that aren't as good as they are to their full potential you're putting a guy like brandon tanov past tense on the third line and giving him minute after minute after minute when he does nothing production wise but then you're struggling to put a guy that does score that does produce for you in the best situation to do so um that that baffles me um why you put and whether it was him or claude noel whatever it's a hockey thing why you put mark stewart out on your first penalty killing unit when he's statistically the worst penalty killing defenseman in the nhl baffles me and not giving your best players a chance to survive to to succeed baffles me it it doesn't make any sense that you would expect a guy that can a year and a half ago we're like he's going to score 50 goals a season to be playing him with ahl replacement level players i don't know someone who'll score 50 goals in their career (laughs) right yeah i used to say you know coaches can't teach skill um, talking about uh, goalie coaches specifically, they, I, I don't believe a goalie coach can make a goalie ex- that much better, but I definitely think a goalie coach can make a goalie shit. And here's another example of that. I don't think Paul Maurice, even with a line change, can make him any better than he's going to be, which is a 40-goal score, which is nice, which is really fucking good, um, but he can definitely make him a 22-goal score. Right. right. Right, yeah. Co- coaches can stifle good players, but they can't make, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then I think, too, you can look at it the other way and say that you don't want to throw all the blame on Maurice. And you can say that if he had someone who could run the point properly in a power play, then maybe he'd be a guaranteed 40 goal score, score, possibly 50. Like there are different things that are hindering his ability to produce at the level that we think he can, you know? But again, that comes down to the changing thing. After four games, how was um, what's his nuts not? Uh, Pionk not off the power play and he was there the whole year yeah. that guy can't and, get Patrick Line the puck and they take so and what out. they and when the power play struggles who do they take off the first unit first right. they took off Line a couple uh, a couple times I've, I I just remember and it wasn't hurt or you know he wasn't tired after a long shift like he just wasn't out there with the first power play unit there's they took they took Line off instead of the defenseman or the or or wheeler on the on the wall or whatever right there's this arrogance that you see mostly in football coaches which is my 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 plan's going to work right we're going to run this offense we're going to run this defense and it's going to work i'm confident i've got the biggest dick in the room so it's going to work and then after 2 years of it not working the owner says sorry your plan didn't work you're gone let's bring in somebody else's plan and this is what we've seen with the Jets over and over and over is the power play doesn't change. The penalty killing doesn't change. The defensive structure doesn't change. The dump and chase game hasn't changed. Like you said, Liz, like we said last episode, if they were at least changing to their personnel, changing their style to the players they had, we would be accepting of this. But for six years straight, you say that play the same style game and your results don't improve. Why do you think they don't improve? It's very easy to see because you're doing the same thing. Every game is like a, it's like Groundhog Day when you watch it. <laughs> you 
know exactly what's going to happen in the offensive zone, the defensive zone. There's no changing it. There's nothing different. The power play doesn't change. The only thing that's different on the power play is if they get the puck in the zone or not. That's yeah. the only thing that's different. Yeah. Imagine if they had a puck carrier on their team that could play on the first unit that could get the puck in the zone, though. That would be weird if they had one of those guys. Wow, imagine. Or if they had a defenseman yeah. that could make the pass. Like, come on. Anyway, so... That being said, as somebody that was older and somebody that lived it, um, Chad Kilger and Oleg Tevardovsky were never um, even combined going to be half the player that Team Solani was, and yet that trade was made. You know, we can talk all day about the reason why it was Solani that was chosen and not Zhamnov or Kachuk. doesn't matter. Solani was chosen, and we never recovered from that trade. Um, as far as the Jets go and as far as our mentality in this city goes. So what's to make us think, Liz, that this is going to be any different if we trade another Finnish sniper? I, I, I don't know, because I think a lot of the fans still don't value him the way that they should because of the whole one-trick pony argument that was, you know, tired and old, whatever. Like, I don't know if people actually understand that there is literally not another person like him in the league other than Alex Ovechkin. Like, I'm not even, like, there's nobody that you're going to replace him with and you're going to lose something and you're not even going to know how good you had it until he's gone kind of thing. Like, he's that freaking good. I don't know if anyone actually realized, well, not anyone. Of course people realize it, but I don't know if everyone realizes it. And once they do, I don't think they're going to recover from it. The people who know how good he is when we lose him, we're not going to recover from him. I'm going to be talking about this on my deathbed. Like, not. <laughs> That's what, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Here's what I always tell people when they ask about the big three, because people always ask, often ask, well, who would you trade, Connor, Ehlers, or Lining? And <laughs> my first answer always is, is none of them, because you don't have to. But if you were going to, and this is the way I look at it, how many players in the NHL are like Kyle Connor? I would say there's probably about 15 to 18 guys that put in his situation could score 40 goals and not play defense. How many guys in the NHL are like Nikolai Ehlers? I would say probably 7 to 10. And that's just off the top of my head. That are as good at puck possession, are as good, well-rounded with points, and give or take. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's even more. How many guys in the NHL are like Patrick Laine? That's zero. um, Only because he's 13 years younger than Ovechkin. Yeah. So that to me is an easy enough question to answer of which of the ones would you trade? The one that's most replaceable. And it's not Patrick Laine. And with his contract, it's definitely not Nick Ehlers. Yeah. Yeah. So the contract. Oh, yeah, for sure. So even if you just want to dumb it down to those facts, in my opinion, that's a pretty simple way to look at it. You can't replace one of them at all. Um, But again, Goes to you, Daniel. What do you think? How does this play out simply, like on the surface? Well, we do remember the Jacob Truba situation. I saw someone point this out uh, within the last week or since this all started coming. They didn't get, like, obviously, Pionk has been fine, I'd say, and they got a good draft pick out of it, Hainola, but at the time, we didn't know what they were going to get, right? Like, that's, it's, Pionk was not looking like the greatest return for Truba and whatever and all that. It work it's kind of it's kind of working out now, especially if I know like gets to come play in the NHL next year. I think, you know, it'll be it'll be fine. So 
but they waited so long to trade Truba. Like it was like at the time they traded him, it was kind of like a now or never thing. If I'm not mistaken, right? Like they had, it was you got to do it now. Whereas at least like Line has he has a year left at his six six million whatever contract, the end of his bridge deal. So if you are going to move him, you do it now and you try to get a bigger return than what you would if your hands are tied at the end of his contract that expires at the end of next season, whenever that season will be played. Um, you can't ever replace him. Um, they locked into him already, so I don't know why you're trading away your winning lottery ticket. That's basically what they're doing. They, they, won, they won the lottery that, that season. Like The Leafs were last in the league. They were slotted first overall pick if I'm not mistaken right the Jets moved up like what was it six spots something like that they won like they won that they won they've literally won the lottery and they're going to trade that player away for not even close to what he's worth maybe total in what they get in the package if they get you know uh, uh, a top 10 first round pick next draft um, a 30 goal scorer and maybe a defenseman or whatever and the funniest thing is is people saying yeah they should trade him for a second line center well what what you're literally trading the guy that needs you're trading him for what he needs right for what the like it just doesn't make sense you have a set now you have a second line center with no one to pass to you know you need to trade because you traded him for him right like that just does it just doesn't make sense so I, I just, I mean, I still don't want it, but I guess now is the time to do it if you're ever going to do it. Right? I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's right. If you hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah, it's it's, I hate, I, now. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right because it's still a business decision, and if you're gonna do it, you have to, um, you know, um, get a highest return for your investment that you can. Uh, I have another issue with trading. Um, anything, uh, AJ and I have said this for years, um, I would always rather have a known quantity than an unknown quantity. Um, so you know what you have with Line A. Yeah, if you trade, trade them for X player and X player, roster players that you know right now, then maybe I'm okay with that. But to trade for a guy, uh, some of the rumors were out there for one-year players, two-year players that you don't really know what you have, I got a problem with that. I got a problem trading with draft picks because outside of the first round, the Jets rarely hit. <laughs> right? Who so that's a frustration for me is that all any trade is kind of up for question, but the Oilers knew what they were getting with Adam. Um it's still a bad trade, but that's a proven commodity. He was never going to get any better. You made the decision. That's a guy that will take for this guy. That's, again, you can be pissed off at it, but at least you know. The Jets, when they traded Solani, traded for two guys that both had ceilings, but it's kind of like trading them for, like, would you trade Line A for Nick Patan and Sammy Niku three years ago? This looks not bad, but how did that turn out for you? Yeah. So, this is well, where I, I saw this thing one. It was kind of like a basically, it's like you don't give up $750,000 for a chance to win a million kind of thing. Like, when you have your guarantee, 
you don't throw that away for like a chance like maybe like you'll get a random pick or like people are like oh yeah throw like a first in with some other guys like I'm not you don't give picks you give something tangible someone you know is going to be good when you're trading someone you already know is good and is only getting better yeah and and line is still getting better like this Mm -hmm. year this past season like he wasn't great in the four games in the bubble not the jets at all weren't great as a total but during the actual season he was he was definitely improved over the year the two years prior for sure i i saw it i think most even some of the people that were normally calling him a one trick goal scoring only on the power play guy were noticing that he was actually getting like the you know the people that were on the fence they were like yeah he's actually getting better right and he's only tw- like he can still get better, right? He can still round out his game even more. It's, yeah, it's it's just... He yeah. made the games exciting to watch, which yes. is something that not everyone can do. You can have good players who aren't always exciting. He's extremely exciting. And it's very unfortunate that that's something that is likely not going to be ours anymore. Yeah. Okay, and hopefully. Hopefully it's just a bunch of crap and they're just getting stuff to talk to, like we said two weeks ago when this all started surfacing. But as Chris said at the start of this, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? So, Yeah, I, at first when people were like, um, first people were like, oh, it's just Drager. He always does this shit. But then Friedman reported it. And as we talked about, there's a finished report today, which I encourage anybody that's listening to check out um, tonight. We were, I was going to read the whole article, um, but we just kind of dove right into this. Um, so there's a bit of change of plans, but I'm sure everybody's seen it. And if you haven't, you can look it up. I know Scott Billick retweeted it. Um, it's there. I think we'll get lists to tweet it onto our account. Um, and then you just use uh, Google uh, Chrome and that will translate it for you. So there's... Yeah, there's Sean Maurice on that one. Did you see? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> but I guess at the end, he, he took a shot at Maurice and saying it might be the coach's fault, right? Mm. So again... I. I hesitate sometimes when we're when we're recording because and we tried to qualify it last week. I hate to just keep dumping and dumping and dumping because I don't want to be completely negative and especially don't want to be completely negative about one person. Uh, but when your third best player is complaining about the coach and is he's probably going to get traded because of that coach, um, the losingest coach of all time, a coach that has only done one thing with your team and two things in 25 years of coaching i got a little bit of a problem with that um if this was bruce boudreaux or barry trotz or one of these guys i'd have a little more confidence that the player is the problem anyway let's try and end on a higher note if like in return (laughs) what what satisfy us what what's a return um list whether it's something that you've seen on social media or something that you've dreamt up what's a what's a return you could handle uh for for patrick line and well, guess what I, throw in whoever you want to complete the deal what sorry throw in whoever you want if you want it to be line and connor go ahead but how do you <laughs> how does that trade no okay yeah so i if they're moving line i feel like it's going to be Someone as big as him. And Chevy, Chevy's not stupid. He doesn't, like, most of the time when he's made bigger trades, they've been good, and I've been happy with them, me personally. Like, the the Myers trade, like, I was happy with that one. Anyways. Um, but 
I think it's going to be a deal if it happens or a one for two. Like, I don't think it's going to be, oh, like, conditional picks and some random prospects. No, I think we're going to get, like, uh, like you people have been talking about, like, Columbus. It's like, oh, like, uh, Zach Wierenski and Josh Anderson or something like that. Like, I, I think I would take a deal of Zach Wierenski and Josh Anderson. Like, obviously, I'd take Seth Jones and Josh Anderson. But then again, what is, is Kekalein going to do that? No. But, like, if Buffalo is, like, Eichel wants out, Line A and Rosselbeck for Eichel. I'm taking that. Like, things like that. I don't know. I just, I think it'd be really interesting to get some good forward. And I realize it's tough if you're taking a 2C for that because then who does a 2C have to play with because you're losing your second line? It's a mess there. But the thing is, if you trade for a first, like a top pairing defenseman, they still don't have the same production that your 50 goal scorer is going to have. Like, you can't trade a forward and a defenseman of the same value you you always trade a better defenseman for a maybe not quite as good forward. Like, both still really good, but you're going to get a better return if you're the one trading the forward because you need to get some top-end guys because your guy's going to score 50 goals. Your defenseman might prevent 50 goals, but it doesn't translate the same when you're looking at wins and whatnot. Um, I realize I kind of just went off on a bit of a tangent on that, but I don't know. There are a lot of things that I would take. You know, some of those RFA guys down there, like, some sort of Sorelli package for Tampa to free up some cap space. Don't know how it works with trading RFAs, but if we're looking at that, then and or Matthew Barzell, I would do Matthew Barzell one for one for Patrick Laine if that was legal. Um, anything like that? <laughs> I don't know. So you're saying there's some stuff out there. So that's encouraging, right? Um, because you have this, you know, you're going to trade in a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. You have to walk in knowing that. Um, so I think at least Shovel Dayoff knows that, right? He's not walking in with a Honda Civic to trade in. He's got the power. Um, unlike the way we play hockey games, which is let the other team come to us, you've got to go to them. And you've got to say, no, no, no. This is one of the best young players in the league. I want Josh Anderson straight up for him because that trade would be okay with me. My <laughs> 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 God. And if we got Rinsky and Josh Anderson, I would be okay with that trade too. But um, yeah, I, I think that's encouraging that there's some some stuff out there. Daniel, is there anything out there that you've seen that you'd be okay uh, with? To be honest, I haven't been looking too much at, you know, the rumors because they usually just frustrate me. But, you know, like you guys said, you know, it's you're going in with a top top end, like top top whatever player in the league, right? So you're going to be looking for someone at least in the same category as him, you know, superstar. Um, or up and coming superstar, I guess is the better, the better way to put that. So I guess if it's going to happen, you know, I'd I'd want a top player like you mentioned, like Wierenski on defense. He's definitely a a great defenseman. Barzal, he's he's like he's great. Like we'll we'll take him. Um, but at the end of the day, I still really don't want this. But there are options out there that I think I would be happy with. I just can't bring myself to think of them. Yeah, and that's that's perfectly legal too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sucks, right? I had another tweet today. Um, that was um the question: Patrick Line into Ottawa for Shane Pinto, Eric Brandstrom, and the fifth overall pick. Would you take that one? See, I'm not familiar with who Pinto is. Who's Pinto? <laughs> but I mean, that's a that's a shitload of young talent, right? It would it would inject some 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 young talent for sure. 
top top five pick. I think that's this season. There must be some yeah. guy at five. I'm not too familiar with the draft ever, but yeah, it would be yeah, like Rossi or something like that. I don't know. Or a couple of the the top like fifteen guys are all pretty good. And if they didn't have to send theirs in return, the tenth, yeah, that's something to think about. I, I, again, there's lots to think about. My issue, and we talked about this last week, is. I always worry that this team's going to do the right thing, whether it's with trade value or how they're going to, like, if we got Matt Barzell, what does that look like for our lines? You know, who does he playing with? Like you said, is there enough talent to support him? Is he all of a sudden a number one line player here? And then Wheeler gets dropped anyway. (laughs) (laughs) These are my concerns. It's not, it's sort of like the way the city of Winnipeg does things. Where it's almost really good a lot of times, but just uh, not quite. Yeah, just not quite, not quite good enough. It's the same thing. I just worry that the thought's going to be there and and whatnot. Even that, even the Kane trade. He took three years. Chevy, I'm talking about, took three years to finally pull the trigger. And then he waited till the guy was on a season-ending injury. How much did that hurt his value? Um, right. and then what he ended up getting back didn't turn out to be anything really i mean armia was fine myers was helpful that season um and we drafted roslovic which in my opinion who you draft with the picks that you get traded for isn't a telltale of the trade right the same as the hanola thing yeah it's luck yeah. at that point no, it's just... four ways. You, you still had to do it but it's not really part of the trade but i know people have different opinions on that anyway i'm encouraged that there is some encouraging action to be had. Let's let's think about that a little bit. There is some some moves to be made. Jets have lots of cap room, especially if the Brian Little stuff is accurate. That's probably going to add, I think, another five million to their cap, which would probably oh, take them five, yeah. nineteen million. Yeah, they got they got the space to bring in one of these guys Jack with the, with a bigger <laughs> contract, right? Like Eichel. What the heck? What's his contract like? They could def- they have the room for it. They have lots of guys locked up long term already. Like Ehlers, um, Shifley has a few more years. Morris, he's already locked up, right? So the space yeah, like, is there. Money wise, they could bring in. Theoretically speaking, you could have Connor McDavid on our team, and we could still have a cast to support him because we have the money for it. Like I think I for McDavid. There it is. <laughs> would we would we take that? I think I'd take that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe the maybe the Oilers got to add. I would be so down for for Eichel. <laughs> like Eichel's a top ten player in the league. He's a center. He's underrated. Um, I think that would just be crazy if and we had him. And the thing that's neat about him is that he like he's not giving up much. Like I guess he's coming to Winnipeg, but he's Buffalo not... to Winnipeg is not. Yeah, <laughs> I think Winnipeg's better than Buffalo. Uh. <laughs> Maybe not climate-wise, but, like, team-wise, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, if your second line is Jack Eichel, Nick Ehlers, and Jack Roslovic, Jack Roslovic becomes a 20-something goal scorer, right, with Jack Eichel? He he lives up to that potential that kind of we all thought was there if he plays with a superstar. Uh, So why can't they trade Connor for, like, a second-line center? Oh, I just opened another can of worms. We should don't get started. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine? Uh. Take Josh Anderson one for one, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, guys, we went longer, much longer than we thought, but I think that was a good show. And I think uh, for the listeners, if you're still there, I think we're going to try and combine this with a draft recap and a free agent frenzy preview before you'll know that. But this is why it sounds the way it does. If you're listening to when this gets released, you'll know that. So stay tuned, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Stay tuned. For the next 30 seconds. <laughs> stay tuned. For a draft recap and a free agent frenzy preview with who knows who's going to do it. Somebody will do it. But thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the second part of the episode. It's List here, and I'm here with Adam, Dylan, and Brady. It is all of their first times on the podcast, so welcome here. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the busy week that we've had so far and will continue to have when uh, free agency opens on Friday. But for now, we're just going to talk a little bit about the past two days. Uh, the first round of the draft obviously happened last night. And then earlier this morning, the news of the DeMello extension, as well as the later round picks. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so, Dylan, I might turn it to you first. If you want to talk a little bit about um, Cheryl Howardcheck picking what some people consider to be a steal in Cole Perfetti. Uh, what do you think about him? And uh, how do you see him developing with the organization over the next couple months and years? Okay, uh, I'm Dylan. You can follow me on Twitter at Field by Dylan. Not not a requirement though. Uh, Cole Perfetti. Most people have him going four to Detroit, including myself. It's honestly shocking that he was available at ten. Um, basically, he's five ten. He is kind of smaller. His skating stride is not amazing, but he's probably going to be the smartest player the Jets have ever drafted, and that's saying a lot. Um, last season, 111 points in 61 games in the OHL with the Saginaw Spirit. I mean, he's just a great player. He's just smart. He's going to points in the NHL. Um, he was absolutely electric with Team Canada at the Helinka Gretzky Cup. He had 12 points in five games, um, eight goals. He also had probably one of the most exciting moments I've ever seen in the Helinka Gretzky Cup where he scored... Two goals in regulation, including the tying goal, which were Canada's only two goals against Sweden in the semifinals. And then he scored three or four times in the shootout. He is a fantastic player. I, I can't say enough good things about him. And if he works in a skating stride, I mean, the Jets are going to have a, just a ridiculous one-two punch down the middle. Super. That's uh, really, really encouraging to hear. I didn't know any of those specifics that you talked about, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, Brady, I don't know if you want to touch on how he might be able to be a solution perhaps in the near future for that hole at the 2C with, um, and potentially be something that keeps Line A interested in sticking around. We're not going to get too much into that, of course. But is he a potential solution to play uh, second behind Shifley, or is he, does he have it in him, do you think, to maybe jump up to first, or only time will tell? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, looking at the near future here, like, this guy definitely is probably going to be at least a year, maybe two out for us to, you know, join the team. Um, I don't imagine he'll step onto the team next year or anything like that. So uh, he's not going to be the short-term solution or anything. Definitely long-term, I'd say. Uh, absolutely. would will definitely be able to fill that hole. Um, and hell, who who knows here? He could even uh, overtake Shifley for that first spot if uh, if it comes to it eventually. Um yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I just want to like, jump in there quick. Uh, Go for it. 
I'm higher on Perfetti, I think, than a lot of people. I think he could challenge for a spot if the head coach was different. Uh, I think he's a year away. I think next year he makes the team. Not this upcoming year, but the year after. Interesting, and I think that's a pretty good point to bring up too often because when you get those high draft picks when they are forwards as opposed to defensemen, I feel like it's easier to integrate them into the league when they're young. Um, but yeah, honestly, like if we have someone who's good enough to make Mark Shifley a second-line center, I'm all for it, <laughs> totally. So um, yeah, so um, we'll move, I guess, a little bit more into um, today's picks. So we had the 40th overall. This one, um, I unfortunately was unable to watch, so I didn't um, really get a good scope of what was going on. But it seems like we have a good pick, and people are saying it's a good 40th overall pick. But seeing as what we could have had instead, they're not over um, over the moon about it. So, um, Adam, you want to talk about that at all? What do you think of Daniel Torgerson? Well, honestly, with Torgerson, uh, I spent a decent amount of time today trying to find any information I could on him, like watch highlights, any of it. I found it for, for Bauer. I found it for, uh, Johannesson. I can't find anything on Torgerson and everything that I've read basically says that he's coming up like another visa line and where he's shot first and that his skating's a bit rough, but even that was inconsistent. I honestly, I, I was really hoping for anyone else here. I don't know a lot about Torgerson. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm honestly, I don't know anything about Torgerson. I'll be completely honest with you. <laughs> I, um, I was, I was trying to do a little bit of reading up on him as well. Um, so he's like, he's from Fralunda. He played, sorry, he played with Fralunda this year. Um, the thing that, uh, I was reading that, that I saw the most about was that he seems to be, uh, an all situations guy. I think he played, um, he played power play there as well as PK, um, in the in the NHL sense, uh, he would probably more like if he is going to be a power play guy. If anything, he'd be more of a uh, a net front type of guy. Um, but uh, again, he can play PK supposedly uh, as well as on the PP. Um, seems like a guy who a lot of coaches will like. So um, I mean, of course, we have uh, we definitely have one here. We'll see what he thinks of him in the future, hopefully. But uh, but yeah, interesting, super. That's uh, that's good to know about him. Um, yeah, those second round picks are always a bit of a, a loosey goose kind of like idea because sometimes they become NHL all stars and other times they completely fall off the map. So we'll uh, keep tabs on him over the next couple of seasons. But um, and then obviously we lost our third and fourth. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but respectively that was the Demello and Eakin trade from this year. Someone can fact check me on that. Yes. Uh, definitely the third was DeMello. I'm not sure about the fourth. I would imagine it was probably the Eakin trade, but, uh, but not 100% on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, regardless, we don't have a third and fourth in this round, so we jump into five, which, again, some people are considering to be a bit of a steal. Obviously, the lower you get in the rankings, um, the more variation you tend to see. But, Dylan, do you want to talk a little bit about our 133rd overall and uh, Anton Johannesson, or Johannesson, whatever his name is, uh, what do you think? Any um, initial reads that you think might have some weight to them? Uh, I would love to talk about Anton Johannesson. All right, he's a short king. He's 5'9", 144, 154 pounds, depending on what site you look at. But from everything I've read and everything I've watched, the kid knows how to pass the puck. He is unbelievable at passing. He's a decent skater. He's not super fast. But basically, if he turns out, he could be a fantastic offensive defenseman. 
if he doesn't turn out, he's going to be absolutely nothing. So if it's a complete boomer bust, that's the risk you take in the fifth round, especially considering this kid's talent. He could have been a second or third round pick, and you got him in the fifth round. Great pick. Well, excellent. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe that's a little bit of uh, makes up a bit for the the 40th being a bit over underwhelming, and then maybe a bit of a an excitement coming from that fifth round, which is nice. Um, but uh, yeah, Adam, I don't know if you want to throw it uh, throw it to you for Tyrell Bauer if you know much about him, kind of his uh, his vibe. What do you what are you thinking about Tyrell Bauer? Well, to me, he kind of comes off as the cliche Jets late round pick where they go for the big defenseman that doesn't have a lot of offense. But reading into him a little bit and like looking up highlights and stuff, it seems like he's actually fairly mobile, like his skating won't be an issue. But it's, of course, with every, you know, Jets defenseman other than Hainola, it seems, is does he have any skill? Can he actually do anything when he has the puck on his stick? And I think it's almost unfair to judge based on, you know, him playing for uh, where he does. I've forgotten the team name, the not the Seahawks. Uh, Thunderbirds. Thank you. Yeah. Thunderbirds, that's the one. Uh, got the logo confused. It's it's almost unfair because that team was, like, as trash as it was to judge him based on that. So I would, for me, I really would just like to see him in camp specifically before I like give any sort of proper judgment on what he is and isn't. But for now, it looks at least that he's going to be another Cedar home, but, or Stanley. But uh, with this one, I, I do have a little more uh, hope for him turning out in the future, just because it does sound like he's impacted quite a bit by the team he plays for. Interesting. I think that's a good point you raised too, because I think you see that a lot too with guys who are good. And I think a lot of people that I was um, reading on Twitter, they were saying that about Jack Quinn, who went a lot higher than anyone expected. And people are saying that um, actually playing with Marco Rossi, who people were hoping to get as a Jet, um, obviously didn't lose out too much on that because we got a great pick. But people are saying that um, Jack Quinn perhaps looked a little bit better than he did due to playing on a team that was... um, powerfully dominated by Marco Rossi. They weren't line mates or anything, but um, it's just an interesting thing to um, judge a player a little bit more on his own um, talent as opposed to um, what the record shows of his team. Um, so I um, obviously, I, I do some reading of um, what Marat posts on The Athletic, uh, number one fan right here. Uh, I think he's brilliant, but he talked a little bit about um, during some downtime, he basically just looked back at all the drafting that the Jets had done since 2011, kind of gave them a grade based on where they ended up and um, what happened there. Um, Brady, where would you kind of fit this year? Obviously, it's very tough to tell. We don't even judge 2018, 2019 because the guys are still so young. But your gut feeling, how do you feel about this draft? Um, do you think we succeeded? Do you think it was a good year? Do you think we made some busts? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, this draft, we really only had, we had four picks, so uh, you can only really, um, you know, do do so much with four picks, but with those four picks, I mean, Cole Perfetti, slam dunk in my opinion. I would love to get Rossi, but Cole Perfetti is absolutely, I'm, I'm extremely hyped on him, extremely happy. Um, Torgerson, I mean, the only thing is, like, I'm, I, I think he was picked at the right spot, I think he's... Uh, hopefully going to be a good player. Um, the only really thing I would say is I was kind of hoping to get someone like Noah Gundler, maybe uh, Jan Mysak, Mysak? Uh either way. And then same thing with the uh, Johannesson, Johan, Johannesson, whatever is, <laughs> however you pronounce. Uh, I think, I think he was a steal. If anything, I've, I saw some 
uh, some lists having him as high as like 47th in the draft and getting that guy in the fifth round is, is awesome. Um, big fan of the short Kings here and there, you know? Uh, and then, you know, you, you can't really go wrong with a guy in the sixth round. I mean, if, it, even if he is a bust, it's a sixth round pick. It's not a, not a big deal. Um, for having four picks, I would say this definitely was a, a good draft for the Jets. Definitely, definitely liked it. Good. And that's uh, always what you like to hear. Always good to walk away from the day with positives. You know how nitpicky we can be about uh, things, us as armchair GMs, but having a good initial feeling is always a good thing. Um, Dylan, do you have any sort of guys on your list, the ones that got away kind of thing that you'd wish we would have kind of looked up? Obviously, we kind of looked at, um, what's his name, Noel Gundler. Um, That's one that we thought we kind of missed on, but is there anyone else that you wish you would have chosen instead of the four guys that we got? There are. I mean, like uh, like we said, like it's the Gunlers and it's the the Meshacks, like those kind of guys, right? Like those are the guys that have that dynamic first round talent. Where a guy like Torgerson, he's kind of a second or third round talent, kind of a safe pick. But I mean, if it was my drafting philosophy, I would say you're trying to draft the most skill you can because you you're bound to have a couple of those guys turn into top line forwards or at least second line forwards. You can always find third fourth liners anywhere i would be looking for the high-end skill but i don't know too much about torgerson so maybe he's got it uh but uh definitely it kind of hurts with gundler going right after their pick right yeah it's kind of i guess consensus that we don't want to talk about torgerson but maybe that was our loss of a pick compared to the rest of them because you know it's hard to talk much about fifth and sixth when they are the way they are but that's that's okay um Adam, this is a very um, loaded question I'm going to throw you here, but when you look at any of these guys, do you see them as potential line mates of some of the guys we have right now? Do you see them fitting into the roster? Is there any combination that makes you go, ooh, I want that so bad kind of thing? Or are you just kind of expecting to wait, wait it out, see how things go, see how they develop and what they turn into? Any gut feelings that kind of pique your excitement? Um, well, Cole Perfetti is the most exciting one right out of the box for me, just because his listed draft weight at like 5'10", 5'11", was already 177. So if he can come into camp at like 190, there's a very real chance that he might be able to convince, you know, Maurice and co that he's physically ready. So we know what he's capable of in terms of like skill, talent, etc. But if he can show up to camp... As an NHL-sized player, I am honestly very excited about the possibility of him making it even as an 18-year-old. And I would, you know, I, I want him with any combination of Line A, Ehlers, or Connor. Preferably, you know, Ehlers for sure. Connor, Line A, and a rookie doesn't seem ideal. But, yeah, I think he has a very good chance at a camp. I now have a dog at the top of the stairs whining at me. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pass that off to somebody else. Yeah, no, I think that's um. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the thing I love about Cole Perfetti is I watched his uh his interview with the media after, and basically this is a guy that's so motivated, where he thought I think like everyone thought that he was going to go fourth overall, because I don't know who it is on Detroit's management, but I guess there's somebody who's like a personal friend or something with his billet family, so it just seemed like a natural fit, and that's kind of why everyone was giving him to Detroit. But last season, after he was cut from the World Juniors, he was having a great start to the season, but he took off after he was cut from the World Junior team. So I think it's just a guy that's just driven by these little 
kind of slights against him, I guess you would say. And um, like he said, uh, he was working on his skating. He said he was working on uh, on some of his weaknesses, like he was trying to get bigger and stronger. And I mean, there's more time this off season than pretty much any other off season for him to to gain weight and work on that skating. So he could even come to camp as a completely different player. I'm pretty excited. I honestly, I, I do think he has a chance to make the team. That's that's yeah, that's awesome. Um, before we move on, Brady, I just want to ask you a really important question. Do you know anything about Cole Perfetti's grit and how good he is in the room? Any thoughts on that? Because we know that's the most important. I mean, that is really the most important. Um, I'm not. I I don't know too too much about his grit. Like uh, like I, I'm not sure who was saying before about uh his his size. I mean, he's already got uh got some weight to him, uh, at being only five eleven. Um, so if he can come in a little bit, a little bit thicker than that, again, convince Maurice and co that, uh, he's ready to go. Um, he's an elite playmaker. Uh, I, I would love to love to see him trying to dish the puck over to line or Connor or Ehlers, anyone with the, with the shooting talent there, but also he's got, he's already got a, a great shot as well. So, I mean, he, he seems like he's kind of a best of best of both worlds kind of thing. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I I feel like we are not addressing the elephant in the room. Oh. Have you seen this man's Rubik's Cube skills? He's already okay, walked the team. My brother is faster. My brother is 16 years old and he can do a Rubik's Cube faster than him. I'm not that impressed. Listen, I, I would consider myself not the smartest guy. <laughs> I can solve a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, Rubik's. <laughs> also, I have a Rubik's Cube sitting, sitting right beside me right now. If you can... That's that's it right there, uh, but and, but still, I mean, it, it's it's still a good thing to see that he's uh, you know driven to just you know uh, learn things and stuff like that. So uh, it's a good sign at least. Well, yeah, you're right because I feel like someone like that they look at a Rubik's cube and they're like, I can't solve this, and that frustrates them, and they want to know how to do it. Like he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he he won the Scholar of the WHL CHL or whatever, right? No, he played Neo. He the Scholar of the yeah. CHL, right? Yeah. And we have a couple of those on our team, right? Adam Lowry, Josh Morrissey won that. And those are, you know, crowd favorites, good guys. So hopefully he follows in their footsteps of being uh, team guys that we uh, we quite enjoy. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, sorry to dump on what you said there, Adam, but that doesn't impress me that much. <laughs> oh, now I just All right. feel bad about myself. <laughs> As you should. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, again, this morning um woke up well not woke up but some pretty pretty good news we got um the extension so that's uh 12 million over four years i believe yes over four years with uh dylan DeMello. people have thought it's a long time coming they've been really hoping for that extension to come before free agency begins on friday and um lucky enough we got it this morning so um adam how do you feel about that what uh what were your initial thoughts and what do you see that um adding to the team over the next couple of years well, my uh, initial thoughts on seeing the DeMello signing were kind of the same as when we picked Perfetti in that I just kind of smacked my coffee table repeatedly and yelled yes. Uh, <laughs> I think I think he's the perfect partner for either Heinola or Sandberg coming in just because of how steady and reliable he is in all like facets of the game. He's kind of a you know jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know, Brady, we were kind of summoning you out of your sleep this morning because we wanted you to hear about it. How do you, um, anything to add on to that? 
I woke up to so many texts from everyone, uh, all of our friends. Um, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I mean, even even like just just the fact that he fits so well onto the team. We we had a hole there at at uh, at uh, right D. Um, it's also good to see that you know paying a third round pick for this guy, it it had paid off in the end. I mean, we we got him. We got him for another four years now. Um, and then even looking at like the contract, of course, we always got to look at contracts too. Guy's only signed for three million. I mean, he probably could have commanded at least four somewhere else, um, but he decided he wanted to be here. Um, also, uh, there's a just a little quick shout out. A guy on Twitter, uh, Jay Fresh, Jay Fresh Hockey, uh, big fan of his. He does these really great uh, graphics, um, and he always includes a thing that involves uh, market value. Um, his market value uh, put together through all of his uh, all of Demello's stats and things like that was around five million dollars. So hey, getting getting got a guy for only three mil when he's could potentially you know his market value is around five. That's that's a, a a W to me. And then of course he fits with the team well. He likes the guys guys like him. It's uh, he he thinks the world of Josh Morrissey as he said. Um, it's great to see that he's uh, fitting in well, and uh, I'm happy to see he's going to be in the Jets' uni for another four years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dylan, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, did you happen to catch his presser this morning after he signed the extension um, or see the threads about it? Do you have any comments on kind of what he said, how he reacted? Um, seemed like a bit of a crowd pleaser with him. Um, people seem to enjoy what he said. Any comments on uh, his his presser this morning? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um... Basically, he, for some reason, he said that Winnipeg is a great place to raise a family. I mean, okay. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> we'll take it, though. I mean, he's, he's a great player, right? Great defensive defenseman. He is what people thought Sherratt was, and he's actually good. Um, I don't know. I didn't really catch a lot of the presser, but I saw most of it. And it was basically just him talking about how, how he liked Winnipeg and just seemed like a natural fit and he didn't want to draw it out too much. So, and I, I want to throw out another thing there after every trade, after every free agent signing, I immediately go over to Jay fresh. I, I want to see what he said about it. That's my number one source. I don't know anything. If, if, uh, if I didn't go to Jay fresh, he's the best. Same. He's so good. Yeah. I promise this podcast is not sponsored by Jay fresh hockey. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but honestly so much good information comes from there, especially if you're, you know, signing someone that you've heard of once before and you want to sound like an expert, yeah, honestly, go check out the uh, the stats on there and it's uh, <laughs> it'll help you out um, pretty well. But um, so he fits on the team, right? We've all agreed on that. Um, and that's under a Charlie Huddy defensive design of sorts, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Adam, do you think that that's a good thing. Do you think that if we had a different defensive coach who did things um, in a way that some of us might prefer, he still fits with the team? He still um, is flexible enough, adaptable enough to um, work with something new? Or is he more of a guy who fits the current system and that's why he looks so good? Um, no, if anything, I would think that the Jets system as it stands with Huddy and uh, the rest is almost holding him back. I mean, this is a guy who can now say he's been traded for Eric Carlson and survived at the top, you know, with Thomas Shabbat in Ottawa for like an extended period of time. If anything, I think moving to more like speed and transition focused defense, as opposed to the, you know, stand and take it style we seem to be going for now. I think he would honestly perform a lot better. 
Interesting. Um, and I don't know, Dylan, you want to throw onto that. Um, with some of the new prospects coming up, do you think it's po- well, possible is always a question when you've had the same defensive coach for nine years, but do you think it's um, something we might be able to see is a faster, um, more fluid defensive structure with some of these new quick guys coming up? Um, well, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets doesn't like fast, uh, fast plays, so I don't know if we'll see that, but I don't know. Like, we got Sandberg and Hainola coming up. I mean, those are two two pretty good players. Sandberg's more of a slow-the-game type of defender, but, I mean, Hainola, like, he's just going to be a fantastic defenseman, right? So, it's just, I don't know. It's it's tough to really answer that question. I, I don't know if necessarily the system is going to allow for that. Maybe somebody else can expand on that, but I don't know. It's exciting. At least we finally got some defensemen on the team. Right side, now you have Pionk and DeMello. Left side, Morrissey and then Hanala and Sandberg. So it's starting to shape up together. We'll see what the uh, the coaching does, though. Awesome. Yeah, so that was, you know, a little bit of a recap. Oh, Brady, you want to throw yeah, something in there? I just wanted to jump in here really quick. Um, so the one thing is, like, I, I you know, I'm, I love to rag on, on Maurice and, and company there. Um, but the one thing, like, I, I wanted to note at least about this last year, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we did have – we did lose a lot of, 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 D, of uh, our noted D-men on the right. Um, and I noticed that the style of, of, of defending kind of switched up from, like, you look at kind of at the, for example, the 2018 run, the Jets were playing a lot more of a um, aggressive, don't let them, uh, like, it, it was very aggressive at the line and then letting the forwards come back and cover for the D-men. Um, whereas this year, of course, I mean, we didn't really have those guys who were able even to 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 give that um, you know pressure in the neutral zone, and they kind of just did just fall back. Which I, I think, of course, I mean, you know, I at the end of the day, I I, I hope it changes next year. I hope it goes back to a more uh, you know try and keep them in the neutral zone uh, and and stop them in the neutral zone before letting them come in type of system. But uh, you know, maybe that'll change with with getting a few more better demon on on the back end here. Um, but so it's really, really, uh, well, I guess we'll just see coming up this next year, if anything does change again, hopefully it does. You never know with, uh, with this finish, with this coaching group, but, uh, I guess we'll see. Oh, what's unfortunate is I feel like most of the time, as much as we hate to admit it, we do know what to expect from this coaching group. And it's the exact same thing year after year, but let's not get into that too much. Um, um so yeah that was a little bit of a recap of today and yesterday um lots of good things lots of positives to take away in my personal opinion and um seems to be a general consensus as well um so let's talk a little bit about the coming days and weeks that we might see um obviously season um contingency um we're hoping to start on january 1st so um free agency and training camps and whatnot will span over the next couple months till then um before we get into the whole broad ufa market um, Dylan, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about some of the RFAs that we have, um, proposed, uh, qualifying offers to or whatever the term is that you want to say. Um, some of those guys, how many of them are you expecting us to keep? All of them, some of them, what do you expect some of them to look like? What do you want some of them to look like, um, in their roles on the team next year? Yeah, so there are RFAs on defense, Sammy Niku, Carl Dahlstrom, Neil Pionk. Pionk will be on the team, first or second pair. Um, Dahlstrom, I mean, 
I don't even know. Did they extend or did they uh, qualifying offer Dahlstrom? I, I think still got a yeah, year. I yeah, still got term. Okay. Well. So uh, irrelevant. Sorry. I think that's next season. I was I was getting confused. It's it's just uh, Sammy Nuku this season. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. He won't be on the team. He'll be in the press box or in the AHL. I want to see him in the NHL, but I mean his development is already so far ruined, in my opinion. Like. You had to play him. Him him sitting in the press box wasn't helping his development at all. I mean, you have to play games at some point. You can't just practice. And I'm worried that his development, and this is what he is. I hope not, but that's just kind of what I feel. And then I don't know if you want to get into the forwards, but there's Roslovic, Harkins, Appleton. Those are all guys, third and fourth liners. Nothing too amazing. Harkins I really liked last season, though. He should be full-time this season. Yeah, um, I agree with that one for sure. Um, Adam, are there any of those guys that you um, it, it wouldn't crush you to part with them, or are there any of them that you would be crushed if they left, or what? Um, what is your kind of your take on those RFA forwards that we have that group? Um, well, it's you know, it's like he said, I was a big fan of Harkins last season. I might have rose-colored goggles on. I don't know what his ceiling is going forward. Like, I would love to see him get a shot at, like, being, you know, the puck hound on any of the top six forward lines. But I don't know if that's actually realistic or just me being, you know, like, oh, Jansen Harkins. Um, I I would like to see them all brought back. I don't know what is with this Jets fan base just suddenly deciding that Jack Roslovic is cancer and needs to go. I've seen so many comments saying, like, oh, he doesn't try. He needs to be traded. And it's like, what happened? He didn't do anything. Like, maybe that's part of the problem. He wasn't super visible. I think, in my personal opinion, where that comes from is the fact that he's a little expendable on the team. Like, when you look at... He played some top six this year um, and some, like, middle six, whatever. And it's like, of all those guys, people don't seem to have the same emotional attachment to him. So they're immediately, like, throwing him into package deals with, like, lining and stuff on those weird money puck trades. And it's like, I I don't know why. I'm guilty. I do the same thing. Brady can attest to that. We won't talk about my... <laughs> my brilliant idea I had earlier today about trading Roslevic, but um, yeah, I don't know if there are any um, RFAs in the league that you would consider um, offer sheeting. I don't even know the proper verb tense for talking about Anthony that, but um, Brady, I don't know if you want Anthony to Cirelli. Me. <laughs> no, yeah. Well. I'm going to send it. Yeah, there's no way we're going through this without talking about Anthony Sorelli. So, um, Brady, I don't know if you want to talk about that, what um, what you would love to see from him and how that might look, or any other RFAs in the league that you might um, want to extend a little bit of an offer to? Yeah, I mean, uh, really, my my sights would be set on Sorelli. He's he's really good. <laughs> um, I, I'm How old is he now? Like 22-ish? I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. But he's already like a, a Selkie candidate. The guy is great in his own zone. He's good at getting the puck out and uh, moving it up to the ports. He's, he's great on uh, on offense as well. He's 23? Thank you. Sorry. Um, Connor, he, I believe so. He's good. That's all I can really say is he is good. And I, I would be willing to, to give him... Uh, a good chunk of change and be willing to give up some, some draft picks uh, for him. Um, of course that probably won't happen just because the nature of the NHL and, and, and 
you know, offer sheets don't get signed off or get offered often and as well as signed. Um, and then even if they do, I mean, teams have a week to prepare for that. You see already uh, Tampa's asking Tyler Johnson to waive his no move clause. So uh, Tampa, I'm sure, already expects something. Um, and then also, I, I don't imagine it would be because at the end of the day, he has to sign here. He has to say, yes, I'm going to come play in, in, in Winnipeg. And uh, I don't see a guy like that. You know, unless we're we're giving him some money, um, saying yes to, from to move from uh, from Florida over to uh, Winnipeg. But like I said, in an ideal world, in in my armchair GM, absolutely, this man is being added to my team for sure, one hundred percent. Interesting. I agree. I approve. You can uh, you can you can go work for the Jets because I'm I'm on board with that. Um, Dylan, is there anyone else you want to throw in there? Some of those like dream players that you would love to see thrown on the team, even though they're highly unlikely. Uh, Anthony Shirley, of course, we've talked about, but anyone else that you're sort of, you've peeked at and said, oh, maybe. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm like everyone else that I just look at Sorelli. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there's some UFAs that I'm interested in, like uh, Troy Stetcher wasn't tendered a qualifying offer. I mean, Jay Fresh has got him at a $3 million market value, so that would be an interesting third pair right D. Decently young. Um, that's kind of one guy I'm looking at. I don't think they're getting any Petrangelos or Krugs or anything of that sort. But, yeah, pretty much just Sorelli from the guys that are RFAs. I haven't really looked too much at that. Nice. Okay, well, um, so, yeah, we could start talking a little bit about UFAs. But before we uh, go into the whole uh, fair game, everyone out there kind of thing, are there any UFAs on this team, now that DeMello's been signed, that uh, you, Adam, are thinking – I want to keep this guy, or all of them, are you saying you can walk? Uh, I would like uh, for Anthony Potato personally, to run uh, Jet social media. Uh, but other than that, no, I I have very little interest in re-signing any of them. Okay, interesting. Brady, what about you? Um, pretty much the same thing. The only guy who I'd even really consider uh, would be uh, Nathan Beaulieu. I think he's been great while he's here. The only thing is, though, then you're you're plugging up a spot um for the future i mean it really depends on what he would take uh if you can get him for another year that'd be great i'd rather him playing third line uh than carl dahlstrom um but uh you know but if sandberg is is able to make that jump i i'm not sure he will be uh yet this year um i would hope he is but uh i would still be okay with bringing bolia back but everyone else don't want cody eakin no, uh, he's. I mean, hey, he's the second line center. <laughs> no, absolutely not. To Paul Maurice and nobody. No, else. Cody Eakin, please, no, God. No, Cody. Like the no, no word on this podcast is because as soon as we mention him, it's like you just go down this rabbit hole of oh my God. <laughs> so, um, but um, the only other, the only other player, I mean. Again, I, I don't. Uh, the main thing is when you when you sign guys like this, you're plugging up spots for for younger guys to come in. The only other guy who I could see maybe I'd be like okay with giving him and just having him as as an extra guy would be Nick Shore. I thought he was decent, but uh, definitely no Logan Shaw, no Cody Eakin, uh, no Latestu, <laughs> no no Kulikov, no Spiza, no Potato. Uh, well, Potato for social media would be great, but uh, Matt Hendricks, Kulikov, four point three million dollars. You don't want to do that, really? <laughs> um, that are there any? Oh my god, <laughs> um, Dylan, are there any UFAs on the team this year that you think are going to get re-signed, even if you do not want them within nine and a half feet from us? Um, God, I hope not. <laughs> there's, 
there's nobody I'm really interested in re-signing. So I think Nathan Bowley is probably the one that I think they're probably working on getting something. Um, besides that, I mean, I don't really see anybody that it's jumping off the page. I really, I really hope it's not Cody Egan, but we don't need to get into that again. Yeah, no, and I feel like that one too is obviously from fans' point of view, we're not uh, not huge on him, especially in that two C role. But it didn't seem like the prettiest way he came here. I think he seemed a little caught off guard, so I don't know how much interest he actually has in being here, so I'm not holding out hope or not hope for that one, <laughs> to be honest. But, um, all right, so now I kind of, I guess it begs to ask the question, who are some of these guys on the free market that you're, uh, you're hoping to snag? Brady, I don't know if you want to kick us off with that one. Are there some guys that have uh, piqued your interest that you're thinking could be a neat addition to the Jets, or guys that you think are likely to? <laughs> Travis Hamannick, even if we don't necessarily love the idea of having them um what are your thoughts about um free agent frenzy beginning on friday what do you think that'll look like for the jets or hope yeah i mean i mean you already said it travis hamannick is probably the the most likely guy who i could see the jets going after um i mean he's been rumored to come here since he was in with the islanders um but uh i mean he he's from here i believe right yeah that was the one of the whole things is that he is at least from near here um, so, I mean, I don't think that really holds weight as to whether or not you should get a guy. Um, but, uh, if he's worth, if he's worth it and, and, uh, a good price tag, I mean, I wouldn't hate it, I guess. Um, but he is a right D we already have, um, DeMello, uh, Pionk and, and Pullman on the right side. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that personally. Um, the only other guys, I mean, we of course need to, uh, plug up that, um, plug up the 2C spot. Personally, I I would rather uh, try and have a guy like Andrew Kropp go in there and he can be a stopgap until a guy like Perfetti is good to go. Um, I was looking else. Other than that, mainly maybe Mikael Granlund. He looks uh, kind of interesting. His numbers haven't been fantastic in the past few years with, um, with Nashville, but, uh, but he's always been able to be a, a good playmaker and uh, it could also be just a victim of uh, that system. Uh, playing there in uh, in Nashville, um, and then I know that I've seen people talk about uh, Craig Smith as well as an option. Uh, he's got some good underlying numbers. However, I don't know if he's really pit played much in that uh, top six kind of thing ever, uh, and he is a bit older. Same thing with uh, uh, with Granlin. They're both like 29 ish, I believe, twenty eight around there. Um, but those those guys are two guys who I would look at um, as options, I guess. Um, I'm not really pushing for any of them. Um, if anyone, I would say Granlund is is the guy who I I like personally. But um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried. Again, whenever you sign a guy like this, you're you're plugging up holes for guys in the future. Um, so yeah. Yes. Yeah. I um, back to the Travis Hamlin thing. I totally forgot he was drafted by the Islanders, and I'll just say he is my second choice of Islanders defenseman from rural Manitoba. Islanders draft picks that I would like to see on our roster if anyone caught that that would be yeah Ryan Pollock is another one that I've looked at a little bit and I just oh wishful thinking wishful thinking (laughs) um Dylan what about you what are your UFA thoughts what do you think um we're gonna see are we gonna take some of these um fill these positions more right-hand defensemen even though we signed DeMello um to see what do you think it's gonna look like what are you hoping for in uh the coming weeks yeah, I already kind of uh, exposed my hope earlier when I said uh, Troy Stetcher. But um, I don't know. There, It's kind of a weird situation where the Jets have so much cap, but there's really nobody in free agency that's just 
jumps in, like that's just jumping out at you. Uh, I think the Jets are going to end up signing like an Eric Hala, something along those lines where it's just a a second or third line player on pretty much most teams, and hopefully it's not for too long. Um, yeah, I like Granlin too. He's 28, so he's not not too old yet. But uh, I mean, maybe he can rekindle what he had in Minnesota. But I don't know. There's nothing that I'm super hoping on. This is kind of under underwhelming from a Jets perspective because. I know we're not getting any of the top guys, right? So, right. And uh, Adam, I'll throw that to you right away. But just a quick thing, my my um, score notification just um, let me know that the Coyotes have confirmed that Taylor Hall will not be returning. Don't know if you want to touch on what if kind of a thing sliding Wheeler into two C permanently and throwing a guy like Taylor Hall in the way and how that would look. Obviously, an extremely wishful thing wishful thing to say um or maybe not for some people if they don't want him considering how expensive he might be any thoughts on that or just ufa thoughts in general what do you think oh i have many thoughts on the taylor many hall idea oh, i love to hear it Enlighten specifically me, specifically because of jay fresh at jay fresh hockey non-sponsor uh and the article he put out about taylor hall and his recovery post coyotes or pardon me post new jersey with the coyotes and that he's essentially God's perfect cycle playmaker, which is something that would allow Liney to kind of hide in the weeds and then, you know, do that thing he does where he's suddenly there and the puck is in your net and you don't even know what happened. So for me, I would love to see Taylor Hall get signed to play with Andrew Kopp or Adam Lowry or Mark Letestu. At that point, I don't even care. Just as the setup man for Line, uh, away from Taylor Hall, really, like, obviously Petrangelo would be interesting, but impossible. Uh, I am, you know, like Brady said, I'm comfortable with Pionk, uh, DeMello, and Poolman. But if you want to sign another righty, it would be Tim Heed for me, just because he'd probably cost under a million dollars, and we know he can do the job. But yeah, Taylor Hall, throw him one year, like $12 million. I really don't care. Just say like, hey, you get line A, rebuild your image, go sign big money, get us a Stanley Cup this year. And that would be my dream, personally. Interesting. Um, a nice point you make. Yeah, and I'll sort of um, build on that a little bit. I know Brady and I were talking about this earlier, but um, people have been talking. I retweeted something on the um, podcast Twitter. Uh, someone had mentioned about uh, Paul Statsny bringing him back, bringing the band back together kind of thing as, like you said, a bit of a buffer um, to get kind of basically to say to Line A, stick around, man. We're getting you Cole Perfetti. We don't want to rush him. Here's a bit of a, you know, something to sort of keep you around over the next little bit. Paul Stastny has one year left on his contract. Is that someone, Brady, that you could see us trading for or you would like to see us trading for as far as prospects, picks, whatever, because um, Vegas is also in a bit of a cap crunch, so they might be interested in getting rid of guys like that who aren't on term contracts anymore. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, as I, I was I was kind of mentioning to you before, the, oh. the whole thing with him is that um, I love the idea of him coming back here. Uh, I thought he was great with the Jets in 2018 was a big fan of his. I uh, was hoping that we had re-sign him. Of course, Vegas ended up uh, sn- snaking him away from us, but that's okay. Um, the main thing really is here, um, I'm all for bringing him back uh, so long as you don't get a little bit too irrational uh, br- trying to just bring the band back together. Um, I don't want to see us going trading uh, anything crazy futures. I mean, at the same, like you said, Vegas is under it. Uh, they're, they're in a bit of a cap crunch right now. 
you don't want to see uh, the Jets giving up a lot to 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 do Vegas a favor, basically. Um, so if anything, if you can get them for, I don't know, a third round pick, something, anything really, uh, that isn't too, too much, then absolutely I'm all for it. Um, but if you're giving up especially anything from the roster right now, any guys like, uh, all right, I'm just going to bring it up. Liz was talking about uh, about you know trading trading Roslovic for him. Uh, again, not not a huge fan of it. Again, it's 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 not necessarily uh, the best thing to do to just get a stopgap for you know you're only getting him for a year. He's only got one year on his contract left, so um, it's not really worth giving up crazy futures for. But hey, if if it's an affordable price um, and uh, and and it makes sense, absolutely go for it. Awesome. Yeah. So um, honestly, I feel like we've kind of touched on a lot of things that I want to talk about. Maybe just I'll get each of you in about three sentences to say what you want this offseason to look like. Break it down. Sign him. Fire Maurice. Whatever you're thinking. What would be an awesome couple things for you, Dylan? I'll send that over to you. It might be a bit of a loaded thing to throw at you and give you five seconds to prepare. But what in a couple moves does the offseason ideally look like for you? Don't trade Patrick Line 8. Don't trade Nikolai Ehlers. That's it. Nice. I agree. Excellent. Adam? Uh, Taylor Hall, Hail Mary, Fresh Bench staff. Don't trade Line 8. Also totally on board with that. Brady, follow that up. Uh, don't trade Line or Ehlers. Fire Maurice. Um, and uh, prepare for the future. Get, get I'll, I'll add Fire Maurice to mine, too. Excellent. All right, so it looks like we're on a we're on a similar page here. Um, I'm sensing a through line. <laughs> anyone have any last uh, last words they want to throw in here before I kind of wrap things up? Brady looking sus. <laughs> I'm not the imposter, guys. I swear. Oh my god. We got Colter Fetty. Colter Fetty to win a big What a perfect pick! I'll I'll see myself out. Excellent. Awesome. Well, on that note, I would love to thank you guys so much for coming out. This was actually really fun. I enjoyed it. Um, my first time hosting, all of your first times uh, coming and chatting with us on the podcast. Super fun. This is a second part to um, what listeners will have already heard with our little bit on lining where we kind of, yeah, harped on that same thing. Oh my God, do not trade him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat with us. We'll uh, do this again soon. Uh, thanks so much. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.